Welcome to the Learn Stage Lighting Podcast. This is the show where newcomers and professionals alike come to learn more about stage lighting. And now your host, David Henry. Question of the day is, how do you light a blue man? That and more on today's episode. Hi guys, it's David. Uh, you heard the intro, you heard me here. And um, I've really been thinking about over the past week or so, since I did the last podcast, I've been thinking about the podcast. Uh, what we can do for it, and how we can make it the best it can be this year in 2020. And really putting a focus on bringing the most value to you guys, the most uh, helpfulness to you guys in your lighting this year on the podcast. And, you know, I've got some stuff, I've got some interviews I'm thinking about doing, some people uh, that I've been talking to. I've got a lot of topics I want to talk about. Um, and, and so uh, what I think I'm going to get back to is Kind of having a mixed format again, not just questions or not just a topic every day, but maybe it's something that's a little bit of both. And so today I'm um, in the news, just grabbed uh, the latest trade magazines they came recently. It's so funny because I'm sure they do this on purpose. It probably has something to do with the advertising calendar and budgets or something. But they usually come like all of them, literally, you know, Lighting in South America and PLSN and FOH. And uh, there's one or two others that I'm forgetting right now. Church production and... um more, but whatever. Um, Church AVL, maybe. I don't know. But all these magazines, literally, most of the time, like most months, they hit my inbox, all of them, right at the same time. Like my inbox, my mailbox, a physical mailbox, you know, out by the street. Um, uh, and so, you know, I, sometimes it takes me a minute to get through all of them. But Lighting in Sound America this month has the, the blue men on the front, the blue men group. And there's a really great article in there. I encourage you to check it out, uh, lightinginsoundamerica.com. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. I'm not guaranteed you'll find it there. Sometimes their articles are hard to find online, um, but you can always subscribe for free. If you can justify that you're in the industry, they'll give it to you for free, which it's you know not terribly hard to do. Um, to say that you you know purchase lights or something, and then or you influence people's purchases of lights, or you suggest people purchase lights, and then they're like, okay, we'll do it because you're you know advertising bait. <laughs> and so the uh, you know this was a great article first of all about the blue man group they did a great job putting it together who wrote it sharon stan cavage thank you sharon um hope i said your name right but the blue man group has always been something that i've liked i've always thought they're really cool and actually one of my uh, labs members actually drums for the blue man group in chicago um shout out to you jeff but um you're like why do the blue man group need a drummer they drum but <laughs> They do have external drums, and I love their music because it's so dynamic and high energy and fun, and it's always seemed like something that'd be really fun to like. Uh, and in this article, they talk about, really interesting, how do you light a blue man? Because for the first time in, in a while, the blue man group decided to go out, hire a full tech crew, hire lighting designers, hire video designers, etc., uh, for the project, outside designers. Whereas in the previous years, they had done it all internally. They'd use their own internal people, same people doing the, the designs every time, and they wanted to break the mold a little. They wanted to do some new stuff. Now, one of the things that I want to highlight, um, not only is how do you light a blue man? Well, you'll light them with blue front light or white, um, probably not any other colors. If you want to do other colors, you got to find ways to bring those in um, in the background, which they do excellently in this show. But one of the things that, that really caught me about this article and I thought was really great about it was the level that they took to um, bring MIDI integration and bring live triggers from their instruments into their lighting show. 
Because I really think this is one of the things that makes a lighting show next level for for a band or even a church could do this. Um, Lots of things could do this. Because when you're able to operate some of the lighting, you know, in a somewhat sound activated way, it really enhances your performance. And today, more than any other point in time, you've got more options at every level to be able to do this. Like at the base level, and I teach all this stuff inside the labs, of course. At the base level, we've got NTEX DMXs. Amazing program, amazing software. Very entry level. You know, if, if you start to get a lot of lights or you're reprogramming a lot, you know, you, you grow out of it. But it has the ability to do some really smart sound tracking and effects that are always built on the tempo of your music as well as MIDI triggering. Okay. And what I love about what they talked about in this Blue Man Group article and what I get to help people with every day is when we're able to go ahead and have kind of a smart sound active mode where the console, you know, in the lighting programming that you've done design decides a lot of the show. But, and it's a big but, um, parts of it are decided by the live music. And so at various parts of the songs, you're going to go ahead and you're going to assign certain elements of the show to that MIDI control. And you're going to have the instruments or the microphone inputs or whatever they may be uh, assigned to those. And and so I think that is like super cool. First of all, I think that's awesome um, that you can do that. And, you know, you can do that on any level today, which is so cool. Like I mentioned, you know, there's um, DMXs. But then if you move into the Light Shark, you can do this stuff uh, via MIDI or OSC. If you move into Onyx, you can do it via MIDI or OSC uh, and and so it's really cool just this is what i like to see right is people thinking about okay we've got all these amazing tools at our disposal today let me tell you if you don't you know i every time i read one of these magazines and i look at the new lights and i look at the new control solutions uh, the new control software i just get so excited because there's so much good stuff going on today so much good new technology um, so much great stuff that that we get to use even at a really entry level, and I think I think that's super cool. And so that's my little um, my little soapbox there. But seriously, it's really cool stuff. Uh, also, another thing that was great about this this news um, this magazine was that um, there's an article about networking and AV. And if you're in, especially if you're in an installed system, but even if your and this is going to be a quick note, but even if you're you're running, you know, live systems, live event type stuff, um, there's never been a better time, and there's never been more necessity to learn about networking and study computer networking. Okay, if you watch this, um, you know, if you kind of watch the trends like I have over the years, uh, everything is going on the network. Your audio stuff's going on the network. Your lighting stuff's been going on the network. Your video stuff's going on the network. And when I'm on show sites and there's issues and there's problems that we're troubleshooting, the longest problems to troubleshoot are the networking ones. And that's not because, and this is nothing, no, this is nothing against the people I work with, nothing against, uh, myself, you know, nothing, this isn't meant to be, you know, pointing at anybody in particular, but the networking problems take so long because we're not networking pros. And literally, you know, troubleshooting networking is something that's kind of not within 
um, the scope of our training as lighting people in the past, right? Because when I started, I started 10 years ago with lighting. You wouldn't think about networking lighting. Okay. Maybe on some big systems or something that was really flashy and new, you might think about running your lighting over a network. But for the most part, all lighting went DMX. It was fine. It worked great. But as lighting rigs grow and stuff like that, networking becomes more of a thing and more common. And we can't just, even as hobbyists, go, okay, well, I'll be the lighting guy and I'll set up a network cable for lighting and then I'll run a network system and cables for video and then network system and cables for audio. No, no, no. Because this stuff really, most of the time, it all can work together. And it should, okay? And the challenge here is that most of us in lighting, most of the professionals even, uh, are not network people. Okay, some production companies are really on the forefront of this, and you know they'll go on shows and they'll put a networking person on every show. Um, that's usually bigger shows that have a network expert there just to take care of the networks, um, and that's helpful. But otherwise, it's kind of up to the departments. And you know, a lot of people like myself, we started ten years ago or longer, much longer for some people, and we didn't realize networking was going to be something that we had to study. And so, I would say, you know, go ahead, play around with networking. I mean, for like 15, 20 bucks, you can buy a router, you know, online on Amazon or wherever, you know, buy an, a, a network router and you, you can start just setting up, you know, a console and some Ethernet nodes or whatever you've got access to and just work with networking settings and start to understand oh, what it's all about. Actually, a really great book, we'll link to it on Amazon in the show notes, is by John Huntington and it is currently called um, Control Show Networks and Control Systems, I believe. Um, I'll double check that here, but uh, we'll we'll link to the show notes. It's a long, you know, it's a textbook, right? So it's gonna you're gonna spend fifty bucks on it probably, but but it's a really awesome book. I mean, this is one that I've read probably five times, um, simply because there's so much depth to it, and there's and this guy he's been writing this book for like I don't know a long time you know, even before networks were really a thing and he constantly updates it and he's really on top of the game. And and it's a really great way if you want to shortcut things to go, okay, you know, here's how I learn networking and here's how it applies to what we do in show control, which lighting is a part of. And at the end of the day, let me tell you this, if, if you're trying to break into this industry um, and you want to do a good job and you really want to be valuable and have good skills, even if you're just doing this as a hobby, learn this networking stuff, seriously. Because if you learn networking, uh, you're going to be invaluable because there's not enough people who understand it and who are good at it. Okay, there's so much bad networking that I see out of there. And it's just because people don't know any better. And it's something that's really come through uh, our world over the past few years and become so popular but yet the training just hasn't caught up with that. And so that is my my point um, there. And that is is what I recommend you to do as well. You can even like, look, I was just looking. Seriously, I was looking on Amazon. We'll link to it on Amazon to the most recent version. Um, actually, we'll link to the most recent version. And then we'll link to the previous version of it as well, uh, if we can find it. Yeah, it was published in 2012. Because seriously, you know, this is a textbook and textbooks are expensive, right? You know, it's a $50 book and it's worth every penny, seriously. But if you're like, you know what, I don't have a lot of money, but I still want to learn this stuff, buy the 2012 version. 
because there's not going to be a massive amount that's different in the uh, 2017 version. I mean, sure, a lot's happened in that five years, but our industry doesn't move that fast. And 90% of what you read on the 2012 version for 10 bucks is going to be exactly the same as, as what you run into today um, for 50 bucks. And so it's worth, you know, the new version is definitely worth it. I know I have and have read the old version plenty of times, and there's so much goodness in there. So that's a plug there for John Huntington's book. Great book. Um, and then, hey, I was reading the PLSN magazine, and um, so there was some meaty stuff in there, too, this week. So I want to share that with you guys. All right, so two quick things from PLSN before I get to your questions. I know we've been going at it for a while here. But, but seriously, though, um, this is good stuff. And so uh, in PLSN, first thing is they have um, on page 20, no, 50, <laughs> the letter, you know, it's kind of black letters. Um, there's an article about corporate theater called Ignite. Executive Visions produces a spectacular live experience for new skin. Now, this is about a corporate show. And many of you guys know, if you've listened here, uh, for about 10 years, I made my living doing corporate shows almost exclusively. Um, that was something I fell into, you know, as as um, we were having a family, you know, we just, I mean, we just had a kid, but when we were thinking of getting married, you know, having, having our first son, et cetera. Um, that was something I got into and it's great because it's dependable. Um, it's a great way to make money, but that's not the topic of the show. What is, is I, I found it really interesting and really great. And I thought it was a really great lesson here. Um, and something that, that I've used in the past, um, in kind of a mindset that I've thought of and something I talk about is, um, Lighting for video. Okay, so we talk a lot about lighting for video. In fact, in the last episode of this podcast, we talked about lighting and video, which is different from lighting for video. But just thinking about when you light, even if it's just a band, you know, in a bar or a church or whatever, uh, when you're thinking about that, you really do need to think about how it looks on camera. Even if there's no um, cameras per se in the room, because guess what? There are always cameras in the room. There's a camera in your pocket. That camera is um, that camera is you know in your phone, right? And everybody else's phone. Okay. And so what we do here is um, you 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 just really want to pay attention to this, right? Because if you're get whether you're getting paid or not to do your lighting, you're doing this for, you know, some kind of client, right? Whether that's the church, whether that's a corporate show like this article is about, whether it's a band. And these people, whoever this is, their reputation and how they appear to the outside world is going to be in part determined by how it looks when someone pulls out their phone and takes a picture or a video, okay? And if the person on stage, you know, kind of goes in and out of the light a lot and it's hard to see them and um, the camera can't focus right and it's, it's all messed up, then that's the impression that your lighting is going to give of the performance out to the world. On the other hand, if the lighting is even and people bring out their phones and if someone moves across the stage, they're always well lit um, and it just looks really great on a camera, then... I guarantee that your lighting is going to stand out compared to maybe other people who've done lighting for whatever organization this may be that, that you're working with, okay? Because uh, pictures and video matter, right? And everything is being taken pictures of in video. And so even if you're working in a situation 
and I, I loved the way this article um, really explained it. They said, even if you're working in a situation where there's broadcast cameras and you're balancing the lighting for those cameras, don't forget to pull out your phone and have somebody that has a different type of phone from you pull out their phone. And look at that lighting and check it and see how it looks when you take pictures, when you take video. Does it look good? And then work to make it better. And, and how do you make it better? Well, uh, in short, you know, check out my article, How Do I Create an Awesome Even Wash of Stage Light? Uh, I've got one of those. I've got a video on YouTube as well. As I think we've got an article on the site and we'll link to that in the show notes. And, and that, that's really the first step. But then after that, there, there are other things you can do to really optimize for video. And uh, we actually have an action plan in Learn Stage Lighting Labs, I believe. Yeah, we do. Called um, How Do I Light for Video? And um, that might not be the exact name, but that's the gist of it. And and it really walks you through. It takes a much deeper dive into, okay, you know, looking at cameras, how do cameras work? How does the human eye work? And how do we make our lighting work for both? And so that's called Lighting for Video. Very simple. Um, and it's inside Learn Stage Lighting Labs. You can check it out if you're a member there. If not, check the show notes for a link that's going to talk about everything you need to know and how to make things look great. Awesome, guys. Now, questions. Okay, let's do. Let's answer some questions, right? So we we uh, mentioned last week on the show that uh, going forward, I'm not going to answer questions, and I've updated now my my autoresponders. Uh, that come through the general contact or through the email questions at learnstagelighting.com. There are so many that are coming in there that I'm literally three, four months behind at any given moment in answering those things. And that's not fair to anybody, right? Because if you, I mean, if you, you know, write somebody and they're just looking for an answer to a simple or maybe a more complex question, um, you know, three months or more or even two months is way too long to wait for an answer. Way too long. Um, that's not acceptable. And at that point, it's not helpful to you at all that I even answer your question, right? It's like, well, that's late. You know, I've kind of figured it out by now or I gave up or whatever. And so to shorten that gap, uh, we're going with the Patreon. Um, I've had the Patreon open for a while at uh, learnstagelighting.com slash Patreon. And there you can check it out for $3 or just even more. Uh, if you want to hop on a higher tier, you can support Learn Stage Lighting. And what that's going to get you is not only the satisfaction that you're helping us build and grow some really great training for free for people. Uh This is, you know, my goal with the money that comes through the Patreon is to really fund the YouTube and the podcast and everything else. But I'll answer your questions. So right now I'm answering questions out of that general inbox and uh, we're going to try to wrap that up here within a few weeks. But I also want to do a good job at it. And then after that, it's going to be only the patrons and I'll get to the patrons first every time as well. Uh, you know, in the past, it's been like, okay, guys, here I can answer on the podcast into a certain depth. And then if you need more, we'll go into Learn Stage Lighting Labs and, and really dive deep and, and get you through some courses that'll help you. But I, I want to introduce Patreon so that I can always, within a month, hopefully sooner, answer your questions as they come in through the Patreon page. And then you can go ahead and um, and get that info that you need much quicker for only a couple bucks a month. So you, you might not be ready for Learn Stage Lighting Labs, right? You might look at that and say, I don't need all that info. I just need something quick answered. Uh, and, and this is a great way to do it. So join us there at learnstagelighting.com slash Patreon. And then we will be good to go to answer your questions. And we'll answer them much quicker than we have been lately. All right. So today's questions. First question today is I accidentally kick the adjustment on my chair and send my seat falling to the ground. 
<laughs> this is from Jamie. Hi, David. Thank you for your review of Light Key. I'm new to DMX and trying to update the lighting at my church. Is there reason why Light Key isn't reading any of the lights I've purchased? I'm on my third set of lights and none is working. Just reaching out to get you any help as I can. Okay, so um, when you're working with Light Key or any lighting console, there's a few things you've got to do. The lights aren't just going to plug in and like work. Okay, it's it's not quite that simple, but it's also not complicated. So uh, one thing that you're going to find is when you look at the manual for your light, there's something called the DMX address. Sometimes it's called the DMX start address, and they mean the same thing when people talk about that. Okay, and what this is, is this is a number that assigns where that that unit, where that light is going to start listening for commands. Now, uh, DMX and, and consoles like LightKey are really a one-way deal, okay? So what that means is, um, is that, you know, the console sends out information to the lights, and if the lights are set to the correct address, they will listen. They'll get the information, and they'll do what you've asked them to do. Turn on, change color, move, etc. Okay? So... The very first thing that usually happens, and this is what happens in a light key, check out my reviews and my, my basic tutorials, um, is you've got to patch your lights into light key. And when you patch your lights in, when you assign them in the software, they get a DMX address, a number. The first light will start at one, and then after that, it's wherever they kind of fit. Um, it doesn't really matter where you put lights. You can scatter them all about. You can put them in order. Does not matter. Once you've got those lights patched in the software in light key, now you need to go ahead and set the starting address on the lights to the starting address that light key has assigned, okay? Or if the lights are previously assigned, uh, you could match the start addresses that they already have in light key, okay? And once you've done that, and if your profile is not in light key, you may have to request it from them or build it yourself um, if the light isn't in the, the menu there. So once you've done that, then you set up the DMX address, Okay. Once you've done that, you're now able to hook up your light key with whatever interface box you got with it. And then you're able to go ahead, plug in the light. And at that point, you should be able to control it using the regular controls in light key. So I'm going to guess that you probably have not addressed the lights correctly. So they're not matched up with what the console has. And this is one of the biggest things that I see when people are first starting. And so hopefully that helps. Again, if you know if you need more info, um, inside Learn Stage Lighting Labs, we've got a full action plan on how to use LightKey and how to really lay it out in a really great way so that it works for your church's lighting. Awesome. Uh, Luis writes in, Hi, my name is Luis. I'm a worship pastor at a small church in Phoenix, Arizona. I've been watching your videos. Um, I have a question about lighting for live stream. Hey, we were just talking about lighting for video earlier, right? A few months ago, we lost our tech director, and now I'm responsible for knowing a lot of things I didn't know before. That stinks, but, you know, it happens. Lighting's one of them. Um, we would like to invest in some LED lighting, as we've been using conventional lighting for our messaging keynote speaker. We know LED is the right way to go, but are afraid about making the wrong decision. Okay, so we're going to stop right here, Luis, and we're going to help you. Okay, so LED lighting is not necessarily the answer. My question, my first question to you, and the first thing you've got to answer, and I know this is something that we can't go back and forth on because it's a podcast, is why are you not happy with your conventional lighting? Okay? You need to answer that question first because I would say probably at least 70% of the time in churches when they're saying, oh, we need to get LEDs because it's the right thing. We have some conventionals that are not working for us. 
I would say greater than 75% of the time. The number keeps rising as I talk, but a large percentage of the time. It's not that conventional lights are bad or aren't serving your needs. It's that they're not set up well. Okay, and that's, of course, what I help people with in my paid programs like Learn Stage Lighting Labs. But whether or not you get my help or somebody else's or you figure it out yourself, I would put you through first and say, what about those conventional lights is it that doesn't work for you? Because especially for a lot of churches, if you run those lights on cues, you may run those lights. You know, they may only be on for a handful of hours a week. Okay. Now, a conventional light run at 10 hours a week over a year is, let's see, that would be 10 times 52. Of course, 10 hour weeks of use is 520 hours. That means for your average conventional lights, about every four years is how often you'd replace the bulb. And so that's not really a justifiable reason to go out and buy new stuff, right? Same with the argument about energy, okay? We all want to be more efficient with energy. We know that that's going to save money. But, and you're in Phoenix where it's hot. But again, if you're only running these things 10 hours a week, you know, you've got to look at, and this, this can be really hard to calculate, but you just think a minute, okay, these lights can only put it off so many BTUs, so much heat that we have to cool the room with, okay, over, you know, that we have to overcome to cool the room. At 10 hours a week, that's not a lot of money spent in HVAC time, right? In the, the, the air conditioning cooling off the room. And if it's winter, you know, even in Phoenix, it gets down to, I don't know what, let's see what, what it is right now. You know, even in Phoenix, it gets cool-ish. And if you're not in Phoenix, of course, it's going to be different. Uh-huh. That if it gets cold and your lights are, are generating heat, while there's people in the room, then guess what? You're helping the heating system. So that heat energy that the lights are putting off are now is now not wasted, right? It's 48 degrees, and so, um, you know, they're helping a little bit, right? If you keep the room about 70, um, maybe the heat turns on at this time of year, and now it's turning on less, you know? So th- during certain seasons, the heat energy thing is not even a valid concern. Um, and so... What LED lights for under $1,000 would you recommend for lighting our pastor for camera and live use? You know, I would look at the Chauvet Eve series. They're really nice. Um, But again, but I can't really answer this question without knowing where the lights are going to be mounted, how far from the spot on stage they're going to be, how big of an area you're going to try to cover with it, and uh, what angle it's at. Without knowing those four pieces of information, I can't give you a definitive answer, and nobody can So don't let anybody sell you something that says, oh, just buy this. No, they need to know more about your situation before they make advice. Should you consider using conventional lighting and LEDs together? I'm sure that can work. Absolutely. Again, depends on your goals. You know, depends on exactly um, what your stage looks like. Are there screens behind the stage that are showing up on video? Um, Maybe you should add more conventional lighting because that's, you know, that costs peanuts compared to LEDs still. Even with LEDs coming down in price, if you're only using it for a few hours a week, you know, get some more conventionals. Um, lastly, in your opinion, is lighting the speaker from behind and the sides important? Yes, but it's less important than from the front. All right. So, Luis, um, you know, I just gave you a bunch of homework here and I don't want to overwhelm you above anything else. Um, you know, consider uh, joining us in Learn Stage Lighting Labs because I bet you 
you know, and this is a challenge I often throw out here on the show, is that um, either you can make use of the things you already have to make your lighting better uh, without spending money on gear. So instead of that $1,000 budget that you have, you might buy a year of Learn Stage Lighting Labs for $240 and then have great lighting at the end of it. Or maybe we get you to buy a couple conventional lights and you still come in under budget, plus you learn how to maximize the lighting you already have and create great stuff. Um, So that's kind of my recommendation is like, man, I would love to help you more and I love to help churches and Learn Stage Lighting Labs is how I do it. And so if you would love to be helped by me, I would love to get you in there. And I'm not saying that just to sell you something because it's going to take me and JP time to serve you as well. But I really think that it's the most economical solution for you because instead of, you know, guessing and, and buying stuff and then realizing it wasn't quite right and then having to buy something else, um, we're going to help you buy the right things the first time. Okay. And, And save money in the process. So that's my recommendations to you, Luis. Hopefully, I don't leave you more confused than you started. <laughs> that's my my ultimate goal here. Awesome. Let me get a sip of coffee, and then we'll talk about Jody's question. All right. So Jody writes in, we are a senior retirement facility. See, I love this. We go from bands to churches to retirement facilities. We really do kind of, I love getting to cover all sorts of different lighting here on the show. Uh, we have a performing arts company of about 40 residents who perform our own shows. Awesome. So we have a stage, um, so a digital audio console, it looks like, some video cameras, and a large screen. We often project our stage sets onto the screen as to minimize time for set changes during our shows. Uh, let's see. We have lighting that controls the stage lighting, basically three spotlighting, as well as the audience lighting. Um, what we don't have is lighting that shows performers that aren't at the front of the stage. I have no idea how to figure out how we can add to our current system and enhance our lighting for our performances, any suggestions I have are welcome. We're trying to estimate the cost of the enhancement, so any thoughts you have would be helpful. Thank you. Okay, Jody. Um, you know, I'm not going to be able to just like with um, Luis a couple questions ago. I'm really not going to be able to like give you a cost because I don't really know anything about your facility. Like you told me some basics there, but I don't have any info about size of the room, what you currently had, any pictures, etc. And, and that's okay because you know here on the show it's 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 hard to go into that depth. Um, though we'll start doing that a little more for patrons. Um, a lot of that is what I do inside of Learn Stage Lighting Labs, which is where I help people out personally. Um, and we really go through JP and I go through and really make sure we get your questions answered well. But regardless, we're not there right now. Where we are is on the podcast. And so here is what I would tell you to do. Here's the first couple things you need to do. One. You need to figure out what this lighting panel you have is, and is it something that you can get DMX control of, okay? I'm going to guess it's probably not. Um, If it's already installed and it's probably been there a long time, it it probably, in a room like this, I'm just, you know, thinking of rooms I've been in, probably doesn't have DMX control, so you're not going to be able to control that uh, from a lighting console without replacing that with something new. Okay, and you know, rough cost to replace that on the cheap end would be, you know, yeah, probably six thousand dollars installed. Um, on you know, from what I'm guessing, from what you're saying, on the expensive end, you know, could be much many thousands. Uh, it just depends on the size of the facility, you know, what you've got there, what would replace it, et cetera. Those are really rounded numbers. Um, and so figure that out first. Are you able to get control of your current system? 
Probably not. If not, you then need to make the decision. Okay, are you going to leave your current system just there and not really use it for the shows? That's one option. Um, two, you know, you might be able to just take the three stage lights you've got and integrate them into some kind of new control solution. Okay. You know, you could get a lighting console or run some lighting on a PC, much like you're doing uh, with your computer system, with your video. And you can maybe even use that same PC, get some software, check out my article, How Do I Choose My First Lighting Console? Uh, we'll link to that in the show notes. And then start with, you know, getting some some basic DMX dimmers and some conventional lights and pointing them at the stage. Now, the problem you're going to have, and I know this from the get-go, is that when you start to light further back on the stage, you're going to shine lights on the screen and it's going to make the screen look bad. Okay? The only way to solve this is to get the screen higher or keep people away from that edge of stage and or take the lights to the really extreme sides, but that doesn't look good. So I'm just kind of letting you know on the get-go that's some of the stuff you need to look into. Uh, For what you're doing, you know, I would... You know, if you want to do it the DIY sort of portable approach... You can join Learn Stage Lighting Labs, you know, post pictures in our forums and more info, and we'll be able to help you, you know, kind of design like a portable system that you could set up or something that you could get someone install to install who has the um, who has the proper insurances and stuff to hang things and do the electrical. Um, we can help you out with that in the labs. If not, you know, this gives you the traction to go find some local stage lighting vendors in your area and bring forward to them, say, okay, this is what we have, and this is what we want to do. You know, we want to enhance these things and, and do it on a budget, and they should be able to help you out. Uh, so, next question. Before I lose my voice, hopefully, <laughs> um, is uh, Tony. Question for you. Since you've had your fingers in all these software packages, love your video, watch just about all of them. Thank you. Thank you, Tony, for watching all the videos. Uh, my setup is permanent in my basement. A nightclub per se, not a band or set list, but um, you do some basically some DJ stuff in your basement. You're using DMXs on your MacBook, uh, but I really feel like I've outgrown its potential. You got 20-inch fixtures, want to get into LEDs, pixel mapping. Okay, yeah, yep, yep. Uh, I want to add an Entech Pixelator Mini to the setup, and we would have to trigger its built-in web UI effects via DMX. It seems workable, but also limited, yep. Um... You know, DMXs, um, you saw that DMXs has progressed to DMXs Platinum and then Showbody Active. Um, but then you look at DPro, but it looks like it has the same user interface challenges. Yeah. Um, then I started looking into Entech Elm. It does what you're looking for. And then you found Light Jams. Sorry if that's a lot. Um, I'm a Mac user, so I can't find that sweet spot, but I can make it work. Uh, what advice do I have on a combination of software packages? So, Tony, you know, you're trying to do a lot, obviously, and there's going to be a learning curve. Um, and Light Jams, honestly, kind of fits what you need, but kind of doesn't. Um, you know what I would look at for you? Honestly, I would look at Sound Switch. Um, I have a demo of it right now, and I, I really need to get into it more. Um, but Sound Switch is a lighting software that was designed from the ground up for DJ lighting. And I think it can do pixel mapping i think it can do let's google it <laughs> yeah there's at least some sort of pixel mapping built into sound switch now does sound switch run on a mac i don't know um and so yeah yeah sound switch can run on a mac or pc so that's perfect as well again you know i would tell you even if you find something that looks great that's not a mac program i would just buy a pc that fits 
fits the requirements because that's going to be cheaper and better than having the wrong console. Um, PCs aren't expensive. And so, yeah, it'll run on Mac. This is great. Okay, I'll click on it here. So, yeah, it, uh, it'll run Mac or Windows, which is awesome. And so that's cool. Um, and I've really, you know, I, I've got a friend here in town who's using it, and he's really happy with it for the kind of stuff you're doing. And I think it's going to be best for you. I'm not thrilled with ShowBuddy Active um, or DPro right now. Um, DMX is good because it's always been good, honestly, but it hasn't been updated well in a while. Um, ShowBuddy Active... I don't think it's been updated at all since it came out and it needs some help. Uh, you know, it's not like perfect. Um, you know, like it's okay, but I, I really think, you know, the, the developer, as you've seen behind DMX is behind D pro behind, um, behind show buddy active. There, there haven't been a lot of updates in the past few years. And that's been really frustrating because they're getting behind and they're just not the best, um, option for a lot of people and again you know show buddy active even really isn't designed for that dj setup so i would i would take a really good look at sound switch um and uh, see if that works for you awesome florence writes in we are a french company oh wait i talked to them already um and so uh billy writes in all right actually um i think we answered billy question well we'll, we'll answer him here anyways this will be my last question because <laughs> my voice is going um I'm new to Onyx and trying to learn all I can watching the free videos on YouTube. Awesome. When setting up multiple queue lists in Onyx, um, should I turn on the release on Nextgo feature? Um, no. Honestly. Um, so here's what I like to teach people. Okay, so release on Nextgo, basically what that does is if you press go, you know, forward into another queue, it's going to release the the queue that, that you had previously gone with. Okay? And these, these are usually in different queue lists. And so, how do I say this? Um, you know, that can be helpful, but I think you're shooting yourself in the foot more than you're helping yourself because you're now guaranteeing that no matter what you press next, that previous queue goes away completely. And to me, I would rather you take a little bit of extra time and learn how it works and learn how to build a queue that touches all the same parameters and then takes over that previous queue I would rather have you learn that than just have release on next go. Why would I rather have you learn that? Because then you can build queues that keep the previous queue, but add to it or modify it in a different way. And then you've got the option when you're running your show or, or your church service um, to override the queue completely or not only override it partially. And you've got that control there to be able to do whichever you want instead of just having it dump out that previous queue no matter what you did, which is a little dangerous, honestly. Um, sometimes I guess you could turn that on, but I'm not a big fan of that feature because I think it really simplifies things and you lose a lot of the power that you'd have in Onyx. You could you know, much more easily use some other piece of software package um, like TMX is like we've talked about and, and, and not have, you know, near the features that that Onyx has. So that's kind of what I'd recommend. Uh, when programming a cue list for a song, I said that you need to start with a load load. Do I start from a clear look, then build the first look, then do a load load then record to a cue list? Okay, so basically what I'm talking about here is the reason I advise if you're programming a cue list for a song that is like for a specific song, you know, it's you start out with a verse, you go to a chorus, etc., um, I say to start with a load load because then you're starting at, you're basically at whatever point 
um, you were previous to that song is your starting point. Okay, so if you had a song before that, you're now starting the next song with how you ended the last song. Okay, and by pressing load, load, that guarantees that um, everything that you currently have up on the stage, if you've played back that last song, is going to st- be in the first queue of this new song. Okay, uh, it is, and you know, even if say you 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 want to have a fluid set list and you're not coming from a specific previous song, let's see if this makes sense. Um, say you want to have a fluid set list. Okay, if you clear everything in the console you know, release all the playbacks, um, you know, by pressing snap and release and then pressing clear to clear out your programmer. You'll literally load all the lights in at their default positions. Okay, great. Then at least, you know that you've stored everything into that queue. So even if there's something uh, that you touched on the previous song, say you touched the gobo in your moving lights and on the first queue of this, this next song, you don't use a gobo at all you know that you at least touched it, you at least brought it into the programmer so that that is not going to track through. So that you're not going to have a gobo hanging around from a previous song that you didn't mean to have in that queue. And so that's why I recommend doing a load load because even if you're you're starting from the default uh, settings just from you know everything at their default levels, you at least will bring everything in so you know that um, nothing's going to track in from a previous song. I hope that makes sense. Um, it's hard to do without visuals. And then three, would you program your house lights into the look you're creating with your stage lights or would you set up submasters and run them separately? Um, Billy, that's really going to matter on the show. Okay? Really going to matter on the, the type of show. And so the reason why I say that is because sometimes you have fluidity and you're not sure what's going to happen next and you want to run the house lights um, basically by feel by how things are going, by how things are happening, by how the audience is reacting, etc. Sometimes you really do want to run things by feel like that, okay? Other times, you want it to happen exactly as you pre-programmed it. You've thought through what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen on stage. You know what's going to happen in the audience. And you're comfortable pre-programming that in. If so, that makes it a lot simpler to play back, to put it within the cues for your song. But you lose that ability. You can always override it you can grab those lights and and modify where they are but um but it makes it a lot simpler to play back you know on the other hand if you just run it off a fader this is helpful but you might forget to move it at a time when you needed to um if you're having volunteers run this like in a church setting they may forget they may bring it to the wrong level they may bump it at the wrong time etc so it's really going to be situational. That's one of the things about a professional level console that's so great is that you can set it up any ways you want. But it's also a curse, right? Because now there's all these different ways you could do it and you've got to figure out the best way for you. And so hopefully that helps you determine kind of what's going to be the best thing for you. I think, Billy, um, if I recall, you're in a church setting. And so, excuse me, if you're having volunteers run it, um, I'm probably going to have you just go ahead and put that into some cues. You know, even if you've just got a few buttons like, you know, house, um, walk in, walk out, and then worship and then sermon, that's a popular, you know, if you have that set of three for house lights, um, that will mean that somebody can't, doesn't have a fader that they're going to move around and get in the wrong place. Um, but they have those three options that they can go to at any time they need to. And then if you did that, you're not going to record that into any of the regular cues. Whew. Awesome guys. So 
That concludes this week's show, guys, because my voice is running away from me. I hope you enjoyed this. Um, like I said, I'm working through the questions that had previously come into my inbox, but if you've got new questions for me, or you just want to help support the show or get your questions answered, join us at learnstagelighting.com slash Patreon. That is going to help us to grow this show, and it's going to help me to be able to answer your questions as they come up and do so in an efficient manner so that it's not like you know a month between things because this is a little outrageous, right? And so just want to thank some of my patrons. Um, it, you know, Truth be told, it's only for the $10 plus, I believe, that um, we, we're going to mention people in the show. But you know what? These people have been hanging in here for the last few months on Patreon, been helping me out. Craig, Dennis, Jeff, Gwen, Kristen, Mark, Sylvain, Taz, and Wesley. And Craig? No, Craig was the first one. Thank you guys so much. Um, and that was actually kind of backwards. But seriously, thank you guys for patronizing. Thank you for helping to support what we do here at Learn Stage Lighting, for helping to grow it. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, I'm really, really happy to have people in there and happy to answer your questions here on the show if you're a patron. So if that's something that you want to do, join us there. Thank you so much and have a great day.